Romans chapter uh, 12, verse 3, uh, through about verse 8. I'm just going to read this passage. For, for, by gra- for, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Parents, teach your children that. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, uh, though many, are one body in Christ, individual members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy... Prophesy in proportion to your faith. If service, serve. Uh, Anyone who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. Praise God. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. There's a couple of things I just want to uh, give you this morning out of this passage of Scripture, and then I have a couple of uh, areas of the Old Testament I want to talk to you about. But this Scripture and other places in Scripture, without us getting deeply theological and going to every Scripture that applies here, indicates to us that each of us have a deposit from God that is in us. Every single individual in this room who has received Jesus has a deposit from God. Every individual in this room who has not received Jesus, there is a deposit from God that is in you that you will never access until you you come into a relationship with Jesus. But every individual who's born in the earth has a deposit that is from God, a, a deposit of gifts, and a deposit of a measure of faith. So he says here to us, I'm challenging you, don't think more highly of yourself than you should, but with sober judgment, think according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned you. Now we, think of, we, don't think of, we always think of faith in terms of something that will grow and, and something that can be increased. Jesus said that faith was like mustard seed that you put it in the ground and, and, and it'll grow and it'll become something that is large enough, a, a mustard plant large enough that birds can come and land in the thing. Faith can grow into something very substantial. But you cannot say, uh, no one can say that they have no faith. Or else Scripture would not be true, because the Scripture tells us that to everyone is dealt a measure of faith. So every one of you have faith that is deposited in you. Now you need to develop that and you need to uh, be in the Word and you need to be discipled and you need to uh, give yourself to the purposes of God in the earth so that that faith can be expanded in you and can grow in you. But there is a deposit that is from God that is in you that is needed and that is necessary and that God intended for it to be released in the earth today in your generation. God didn't put a deposit in you for someone to get later. 
Because you're here now. Are you here now? And now is the only time that you have. In fact, the scripture tells you that you don't have a promise of tomorrow. You have a promise of today. And you don't even have a promise of this evening. You have a promise of right now. There is a deposit from God that is in you right now. And that deposit is in there for a purpose to be drawn out into the earth in your generation for the time that you are here. And this cemetery is full of people who went there without ever releasing the deposit of God that is in them. That's a sad note. Can you imagine on someone's tombstone? A guy who never released the deposit of God that was in him. It's not gonna, that's not a great epitaph. I hope that's not what we hear when we stand before the Father. Why didn't you release what I deposited in you in your generation? Why didn't you allow me to, uh, to bring out of you what was in you? for the purpose of the good of the kingdom of God, for the purpose of the good of your family, for the purpose of the good of the the community around you, for the purpose of the good of the people around you, there is a deposit that is in you that you need to be aware of and and allow it to be drawn out. So the Lord says this, the word says this, the apostle said, in one body we have many members and they don't all have the same function. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we're not, if we were all the janitors, this place would be spick and span, but nothing else would get done. You understand the value of that? God made us all different, with different deposits and different functions, so that we could all get in our place and do our function. It's just foundation. We're going to get to the real meat of the matter in just a minute. For in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are in one body uh, in Christ, individually, members, what does that line say? Of one another. Members, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody actually teach on that line. We are members of one another. There is a connection because of Jesus that we have with each other that, that requires us to have a relationship with each other and to be connected to one another. The reason that we have things like we're having today, fellowshipping afterwards, is simply to accommodate that spiritual truth. Fellowship is a very spiritual act. It is deeply spiritual. It's just as spiritual as prophesying, and it's just as important. Fellowship is equally as important as laying hands on the sick. The Bible says if we don't have love, we don't have anything. We have a tendency within the framework of of our nature to every time uh, we feel a little bit of pressure, everybody feels social pressure. You know, you get in in a social situation with people you're not terribly comfortable with and you're like, where is the exit? Work on that. Address that. Because the scripture says we're members one of another. We need each other. There is a deposit that is in you that needs to be released in the body of Christ. And the scripture teaches us as well because our tendency is, I don't know why I'm getting this first, but here we are. This was supposed to be after. But the scripture tells, I always preach backwards. 
everything they instructed us to do in Bible college, I mess it all up. I already kind of got comfortable with that, way past that. But we're members of one another, and before you say, yeah, yeah, but, but pastor, you've been to, to Bible college, and, and you've been mentored by men like Bishop Halverson and, and others, and, and you've have, you have all of this deposit in you, and you've developed the strength for it to be released, and, and you, 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 you prophesy to people that their babies are going to live and not die, and you, and, you, and you prophesy to people that they will, they will live and, and, and when, the, when the doctor told them that they're going to die, and then what you prophesy happens, and all this pastor you just do the stuff but that's not what that said that said each one according to the measure of faith that God has assigned you he didn't release you from not functioning in and developing the gifts of the spirit of God that are in you because you are not yet mature in that gift So every once in a while, somebody comes and they say, you know, I have a word from God. And they start to give a word and they start stumbling all over themselves. And the word never gets delivered. You know what we say? It's okay. Take a deep breath. Relax. You'll get it next time. I remember when Rachel was first, lear- first learning the prophetic anointing that is in her. She's, she was leading worship, and, and all of this stuff was still developing in her. And, and even before then, uh, that, that she would feel a word from the Lord in her. And I remember Bishop Halverson putting his arm around her and saying, Okay, honey, take a deep breath. Relax. We're not in a hurry. Because the word says that you are to function in the deposit of God that is in you at the measure or the level of faith that is in you. Start there. So if you don't have the faith to raise the dead yet, then have the faith to lay hands on someone that's sick so that God can heal them, so that your faith can be increased to the point that you can lay hands on the dead and they will get up. Because we've seen it happen. And we know the reports when the doctor says there's nothing more to be done. And there are people in this room who are supposed to already have been dead. And are still kicking. Still serving Jesus. I was thinking about Guy Langley in the hospital and when I went to see him because... The way he was talking on the phone, I thought, this guy thinks he's going to die. I need to go have a conversation with him. Well, by the time I got got to his room, because he was in Salinas at the time, the Lord had dealt with him, and when I got there, he goes, I'm going to go to heaven, but it won't be today. (laughs) Yeah, you all know Guy. And by the way, he's out of intensive care. He's in Kaiser Hospital, and you can go see him. Go visit with him. Wear him out till he says, no more. Okay? Yeah, he's in third floor somewhere. You, again? Yes. Oh, they're just shifting. He'll be all over that hospital because he's preaching everywhere he goes. <laughs> so who knows what? You, go, go find him. They'll tell you where he's at. Guy Langley. There is a tendency. This is what the Holy Spirit wants me to address today. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look in 1 Kings and we're going to look in 2 Kings uh, in short order. 
there is a tendency in the heart of this generation when we have a challenge and when we have something that comes up against us that we look somewhere out around us for the answer to the issue that we're facing. But God put the Holy Spirit in you. All of the wisdom that exists in God exists in you. I have to be careful right here because people think I don't want them to come and talk to me when they're facing a challenge. And I, I, I'm not a great counselor. Uh, I don't do a week after week of counseling. We look at the scripture. We see what God is saying. We pray. We get a word from the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, go do that. So we don't typically do week after week kind of counseling and stuff. Most people don't like that from me because what they get from me, <laughs> well... Let's not get into that right now. <laughs> I do want to help you. I love you. I love you so much that I'll tell you the truth, even when the truth is not what you want to hear. Ask my kids. And mom's even better at that than I am. But let's go to uh, the book of Kings. First um, Kings chapter 17. Verse 8, I believe. I'm not going to read this whole story, but we're going to talk about this little lady. In this passage of Scripture, Elijah is being provided for by the Lord, and there is a famine, and the Lord tells him, Arise and go to Seraphath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. I've commanded a widow there to feed you. Did you know that he's not even going to a Jewish person? He wasn't going to anyone. This lady was not in the habit of talking to God. But God said, I've commanded her to feed you. But if you read the story, you'll know that she was not expecting him to come. He didn't call ahead. He didn't make reservations. He didn't text her. Yeah. He didn't send her an email. Hey, I'm coming. He just gets to her house. And when he approaches her, in verse 10... He calls her and he says, bring me a little water and a vessel that I can drink. And as she was going to bring it, he said, bring me a morsel of bread. That's just really bold. Here's somebody, here's somebody you've never met. I did, this, I did this when I was on the mission field. A uh, pastor and his wife came to a home meeting that we were having. And I said uh, to the apostle that, that was um, in charge of our trip, I said, I need to go home with those people. So he goes to them and, and he says, he wants to go home with you. <laughs> I was preaching in their church on that following Sunday, but that was like three days early. He, he said, the prophet said he wants to go home with you. And they're like, really? I didn't even know their names. 
I just knew by the Spirit I'm supposed to go with them. Well, here he comes in and he says to the little old lady, I want you to give me a drink of water, and while you're at it, bring me some food. And she's, our generation, we'd be, you don't know me. Wouldn't we? We'd be like, who does this person think he is? We would immediately assume he was a street person. What's the matter? You don't have a place to live? He says, bring me some water and bring me some bread. And she said, as the Lord your God lives. See, she's making it clear. Not my God, your God. Because if she had been a follower of God, she would have said, as the Lord our God lives. But she said, as the Lord your God lives... I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour and a little bit of oil, and I'm gathering a couple of sticks so I can go in and prepare it for myself and my son. We'll eat it and then die. And he says, don't fear. Go and do as you've said, but first make me a little bit of cake. And afterwards, make something for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the flour will not be spent and the oil will not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Hallelujah. Now, if you go to uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, there's another story I want to talk to you about, and then we'll kind of talk about both of them. It's another little widow, and this is Elisha. Now this widow is someone who knew where to get help, and she goes to the prophet because her... Well, verse 1, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. My husband was, was one of the prophets. And he's gone now. And me and my son are alone. And we don't have anything to eat. And the creditors are coming. And we don't have any money to pay the bills. So she goes to Elisha and she says, tell me what to do. And Elisha, listen to this, read this. Uh, Elisha says, what do I do for you? Tell me, this is in verse 2. Elisha says to her, what do I do for you? Tell me what you have in your house. And she said, I don't have anything in my house except a little bit of oil. And he tells her, go borrow vessels, pour the oil into the vessels. And you know the story, if you, if you read the Bible ever, the oil increases. And then he tells her, sell the oil, and you, now you have provision. He put her in the oil business, cooking oil business. So now let's talk about these two little widows. They were in economic difficulty. Both of them were in economic difficulty. And the Spirit of God moves up on them through what they had in their possession. In the case of this lady, he says, what do you have in the house? 
Now, I want to just bring this forward into our, into our circumstance. After the cross and after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? That you are a temple. You are a house. In fact, your house is not the building you live in. Your house is the body you live in that you will leave when that body wears out. That's your house. And now that the Holy Spirit has been deposited in you, and the Scripture says that Jesus gave gifts to men, and we read Scriptures like we just read a few minutes ago, where that there is within you a deposit of gifts and a deposit of faith, I submit to you that the Holy Spirit is saying to you today, what do you have in the house? I'll do you one better. The Holy Spirit is asking you what you have in the house. In the case of these ladies, it was for natural provision. If you're in a situation where you are lacking natural provision, the word of the Lord is to you, what is it that I have deposited in you that gives you the potential to bring in economic revival in your life? The answer to that question has already been deposited in you. You already have the ability within you. It may not be developed. It may not be fully mature. But God has deposited within you the ability to provide for your house and to meet your your economic needs. But the truth of the matter is that He redeemed the whole man, body, soul, and spirit, and God is asking you to look within the deposit of your life what has the Holy Spirit put in you, what gifts, callings, and abilities, what natural gifts, what uh, spiritual gifts, what abilities has He given you, and what is it that you are supposed to do with them so that you can flourish in the fullness of who you are in the earth. I'm going to tell you that most believers live far below their potential. And I believe that in our generation, the Holy Spirit is raising the bar. Are you here? I believe that in our generation, the Holy Spirit is raising the bar and the Spirit of God is saying to you today, what have I deposited in you that you have not yet tapped into, that you have not yet allowed me to draw out of you, that you have not yet allowed to be developed, fully developed in you, and let's start there. Let's start there. So he says to her, What do you have? I was talking to Jeff. There's Jeff over there. So I'm going to pick on our conversation we had yesterday. I was down here and Jeff and Cindy were working. And by the way, after the service, the Welcome Center has been opened and remodeled. And Cindy will be back there and she would love for you to step in and see that little work area back there, how beautiful it is. It reflects the joy of the Lord. And it is a welcoming environment and uh, they will be serving this body and people who come out of that wonderful location. Cindy, thank you. Um, Jeff and I were talking yesterday and see Jeff was in the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit class the other night. Right? And the Holy Spirit poured out. <laughs> and folks' lives have been changed. Well, Jeff says, I have a really difficult time with the fact that 
praying in the Spirit, he said, I'm, I'm waiting for there to be an anointing. Just, just in the natural. He's just explaining his natural response to the moment. I, I'm waiting for there to be an anointing to pray in the Spirit. And I said, wait a minute. The anointing is in you. Don't wait for the anointing to pray in the Spirit. What you do is you pray in the Spirit and it draws in the anointing. So what that is is a conversation about, Jeff, this is what is in you. And now this is how you move forward in it. This is how you draw it out of you. The, the, the enemy, folks, those of you that pray in the Spirit, the devil does not want you to pray those prayers. He does not want you to pray in the Spirit. And see, I don't have to feel, uh, when Angel got healed the other day, there was no particular feeling of anointing. There's just, the, 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 the anointing is in you. The healer lives in you. The provider lives in you. The, 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 the God of all wisdom and revelation lives in you. So the moment that your understanding is darkened about something that you... We all face those times where we're looking at a situation and we're trying to figure it out. But the guy who has the answers lives in us. He's already got it figured out. Why are we as believers so stubborn at times to look on Google and to go into the library and to run everywhere else to find the answers to the challenges that we're facing? Google God! I was Googling before Google ever came out. Because me and the Holy Spirit were having conversations about the challenges of life and he was giving me the answers. He wants to give you the answers to the challenges of your life. And just like the prophet went to those little old ladies and said, tell me what you have in your house that meets the demands of the moment. I submit to you that the challenges that you are facing in your life today, the, demand, the, 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 the answer that meets the demand of the moment is already in you. So instead of waiting for a particular feeling or anointing to come along to move into the things that God has deposited in you, when you move in those things that God has deposited in you, it draws upon the anointing of the Holy Spirit and it brings it into your life. That is something that you must practice. That is something that you must discipline yourself to. That is something that you have to put down the lies of the enemy and tell the enemy that he is not going to tell you any longer that God doesn't want to talk to you. There's not an individual in this room that God does not prefer to and would like to have a long conversation with. Every day, God would like to talk to you. But there are individuals in this room right now that do not even believe that. That you don't even believe that God wants to talk to you. Or you think that if he were to talk to you, he would just get on to you. And ride you like your daddy used to do or your mama used to do and, and just lay into you. Get out of the condemnation. And get over into the spiritual, the, the biblical understanding that God wants to have a conversation with you. 
and then draw upon the anointing of the Lord. The, the anointing is already, the Holy Spirit is already in you. Now, if you haven't pressed that through to the point that you are praying in the Spirit and that you're moving in the gifts, then, then you just keep pressing until that bubbles up to overflowing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is just a release of the deposit of God that is in you that causes you to overflow until it's gushing out. Y'all are quiet. Some of y'all are going home and you need the Holy Spirit to gush out at home. In some of the, that's not what's gushing out at home. And I know, that, I know there are individuals in this room, you're going home to some unbearable environments, but the Holy Spirit is deposited in you to change that environment. What would happen if the Holy Spirit moved on you and you blessed that unbearable neighbor that is creating an environment that makes your neighborhood just miserable? What would happen if you made the enemy at work your friend? Because of the Holy Spirit, the deposit of the Holy Spirit that's in you. What would happen if instead of waiting for the anointing, you said to someone who's in trouble, you know, when I'm in trouble, I always pray and ask God what to do. Let's ask God what to do about your situation. Oh, wow, it never occurred to me to do that. I have prayed for more unbelievers It's more fun to pray for unbelievers than it is to pray for believers. Because believers, they'll receive and, and, and they'll, they'll get, God will answer their prayer and they go on about their business and, and they don't always even come back and tell you because we just expect God to move. So you don't always even hear that your prayer was answered unless you're one of those obnoxious people. So you don't always know. But man, when you lay hands on an unbeliever and you say, well, let me pray with you. Oh, you're not an unbeliever, are you? Let me pray with you about your situation. Not today. <laughs> Let's pray about your situation. And you, you ask God, and God moves. Did you know they come running back? Oh my God, you prayed for me, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. That's like way more fun than... So you say, how do I, how do I draw upon the anointing that is in me? How do I draw upon the gift that is in me? Can we just do some practical stuff? Now listen, I am going to suggest this. When you're dealing with someone who doesn't know Jesus, you probably, you might temper your behavior a little bit, especially those of you that are obnoxious. There are some obnoxious Pentecostal people. Just be, all right, be, be cool with that. I'm going to be who I am. But last time I prayed for someone at the store, I didn't pray in the Spirit. I prayed in the Spirit. Quietly, before I prayed for them, before I lay hands on anybody, I'm usually praying in the Spirit. Get the mind of the Lord. but I'm not going to go over by the tomatoes and the grocery store and say, hey, lady, let me pray for you. You know, I'm just not going to do that. 
But among believers, see, the, the, the point of the body of Christ is that those things that are deposited in us, we practice them and we release them in our midst so that as we practice them and release them and they grow, we can take them into the workplace and into the marketplace where we work every day and we can speak into the life of someone else with a little bit of experience. A little bit of faith, a little bit of understanding. Only a little bit. You, don't need, you do not need a lot of experience to do the works of the Lord in the earth. Ask the disciples. All you have to do is read. Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, go. He used the analogy out of their own life, just out of their life, out of their life, go fishing. There's nowhere in there that he told them, this is how you cast out a devil. This is how you heal the sick. He said, go lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. You know why? Because you can't do it anyway. You have yet to be the source of anything. Anything good in your life came from him. You're not the source of it. So you have yet to be the source of anything anyway. There's no such thing as a self-made man. I mean, think think about that in the most literal terms. Excuse me while I form myself and shape myself. <laughs> the Bible says you can't add a hair to, the, you, to your head. Now you can go down and buy one of those glue-on things. <laughs> you can go get them plugged in. Now it looks like they, somebody's drawing a map on your head. <laughs> and you can't add an inch to your stature. This is why that first verse that we, those first verses that we read, the first thing he starts out with is, do not think more highly of yourself than you should. I've been, I've been around, you know, God will move through, well, he spoke through a donkey a few weeks ago. We read that, remember? He spoke to Balaam. God can move through anybody, and sometimes he moves through the most unlikely sources. I've had him give me promising words from people I didn't care too much about. He did that just to see if I'd take his, his promise from somebody that rubbed me the wrong way. So he can move through anybody, but don't be the guy, don't be the guy through whom God moves through you just because he needs to move through somebody that he wouldn't ordinarily move. Don't be that person. Be the person through whom it jazzes the Holy Spirit to move. Through he likes to come and hang out with you and move through your life. But he'll move through you and it does, it's not complicated. So this is what we do. We're, we're having this conversation this morning. There's not particularly um, any, any particular anointing for one thing or another. The way that you stir up the anointing, let's just stir up for a minute a prophetic anointing. Would you like to do that? Here's how we do that. Let's just for a few minutes pray in the Spirit. Come on. Oh man, already. Oh, 
All right, praise the Lord. The, the prophetic anointing is here, and the Lord would say to you, Donna, there's times when you think within yourself that your season is past. And the Holy Spirit would correct you for that thinking and would say to you, the season that is ahead of you is yet greater than the one that is past. It may not be as long as the season that is past, but it is greater, it is more effective, it has more impact, and there's a greater anointing that's coming up out of your life now than has ever come up out of your life in the past. And I tell you, the Lord says that there is a spirit of discernment that is rising within you that is greater than the discernment that you've walked in in the past. And you're going to be able to look into the lives of individuals and you're going to be able to speak to with accuracy, great accuracy to the issues of their life. And call them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. See how we just move from having conversation into a prophetic anointing? How do we do that? Jeff, we did it by just praying the Spirit. The anointing came as a result of us stepping into his presence. Did it? Does it? While we were speaking in, by the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and He said, during this summer, while you are off of work and while you are in between assignments, the Lord says, I'm giving you some seasons with me that are in greater measure than seasons of the past. Sit before me. Don't fill up your schedule so full that you can't get to, uh, to your private time with me. Get in that prayer closet. And the Lord says, I'm, ooh, and I'm going to break off of you some of the concerns of the past and you're going to be able to lay them in my hands and they'll never be a concern to you again. You'll just say, oh, why was I ever worried about that? The Lord says this summer can be for you a summer of great freedom by spending time in my presence. That's joyful, isn't it? Okay, there is a deposit from the Lord that is in me. There is a deposit from the Lord that is in you. You don't need to do things the way that I do them. We're all different. We all have our assignments. We all have our part in the body of Christ. But all you need to do is move into the presence of the Lord, stir up the anointing that is within you, and release it. Because there's a prophetic anointing in my life, I can prophesy at Walmart or in the street somewhere or down at the, down at the mall just like I can here, and I have. Because the deposit of the Lord is always there to release the gift that is in me. Always there. That anointing never leaves just because the feeling of the anointing will come and go. There's times when we're helping our children, we don't feel particularly anointed. But we're teaching them to know God. And the anointing to teach and lead our children is always with us. You never think about a particular anointing. Uh, you don't get up in the morning and say, okay, God, today anoint me to be a parent. If he put a kid in your house, you're anointed. And sometimes that anointing is not even fun. But you're anointed. I'm always anointed to preach the gospel. I'm always anointed to encourage and to strengthen Likewise, the deposit of God that is in you produces an always anointing. Always. You're not just anointed to do good things when you feel good. 
Sometimes it is great discipline. You ever have one of those moments? You know, my mother, oh, my dear mother, Lord bless her. She turned 80 this month. I remember as a child, this is my, my parents were great encouragers in the body of Christ. They loved people. They were always teaching and strengthening and encouraging 24 hours a day, anytime someone would call. So my mom would be, kids, get in here. I told you to clean your room. Have you done your homework yet? Well, now, back in those days, there was a phone hanging on the wall with a long cord. My mom kept a long cord so she could get across the house and whack us while she was talking. And she would say to my father, these kids are driving me crazy. And my father would say, uh-uh, because I can't do it without you, so you're not going crazy. She would say, these kids are going to kill me. And he would say, you're not getting out of it that easy. <laughs> but I remember, I remember, I mean, not just countless times in our lives when my mother would say to me, or would say to us, get in here and clean your room. I told you to run that vacuum. You didn't take out the trash. And you didn't feed the dog. And you didn't this and that. Get this stuff done. And the phone would ring, ring, ring. And she'd go, Hello. And someone from the church would be, Sister Holmes, my life is falling apart. I don't know what to do. And my mom would say, hold on, hold on. Get done what I told you to get done. (laughs) And then she'd say, hold on. Father, we speak in behalf of this, this young lady right now. Father, we just call this thing down in the name of Jesus. You know why? The anointing resides. She was not waiting for a feeling. She stepped into the throne room of God. She called down the strongholds of the enemy. And she moved into the life of that young uh, individual that she was talking to. And she helped set things in order. Why? Because she had an anointing to parent. And she had an anointing to bless the life of that individual when they call. And we just let the enemy tear up on us. I, the phone, I can't deal with it today. Don't answer the phone. You can deal with it. The Holy Spirit's been deposited in you so you can deal with whatever gets dished out to you today. I've, uh, oh, she, she co- oh, that girl can cover ground, I'm telling you. This is, this is my mother. She, and I just have to talk about it. It's a great example. It's the example that I live out of, my, my family. My mother was in an accident a few years ago. Y'all remember because I went three days and sat in Tulsa in the hospital with her. She should have died, according to what the doctors are saying. Pastor walked in to ICU, and he said, first thing out her mouth, she said, I am not dying in this place. There was, no, there was no particular anointing for healing. She just wasn't going to let go of her healing. And when I was, spent three days with her, and she was in great pain, and we prayed throughout those three days, and, and I laid hands on her about three in the morning. I was on my way to the airport that morning that I left, and I laid hands on her and commanded her body to be healed. And she said, when I left, 
that she said someone not in hospital clothes, she, don't, she said, I don't know if they were real, uh, you know, if they were human being or if it was God himself, but she said, my door opened, and she said, I saw a person standing over there just in a shirt and khakis, and she said, I don't know if, if it was a, a, a hospital employee or not. She said, I, I don't think so. But she said, I didn't feel nervous. He looked across the room at me, stood there and looked at me for a few minutes, went out, and she said, when the door closed, my pain was gone, and I've never had another moment's pain from that moment. No special anointing for anything. Weren't feeling anything. God moved. Because there is a deposit in you that you need to draw on, and instead of facing the challenges of life and going, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, go find out from the Holy Spirit what to do. Go ask the Holy Spirit. Ask Him specific questions about specific issues. If in that prayer time you don't receive an answer and the sun rises and sets, go back to the Holy Spirit and ask Him again specific things about specific issues. Do not wait on the sense of anointing. We live by feeling. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Don't wait for the feeling of anointing to to bless someone or pray for someone or speak the name of Jesus to someone. Listen, if we wait for the anointing to evangelize, we'll never evangelize. We are anointed to evangelize. The mere fact that God puts someone in your life who does not know Jesus, that's your assignment. We're like, oh God, oh God, do you want me, do you want me to talk to him? Well, the devil doesn't. You can pretty much figure out that if the devil wouldn't want you to do it, God probably does. But we got to get deeply spiritual. Now it's all right. I never uh, now in the street if I'm if I'm at the store and 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 I just feel inclined to talk to someone, I talk to them. But it, but in the workplace, generally speaking, I live my life before them for a season of time and I pray for them for a season of time so that God prepares the heart. Their, their heart is a field. So that he prayer, prepares the field for the seed. I don't just come in and go, you better get right or get left. <laughs> What's that? Get right or get left. My blinkers are working. So it's all right to cultivate with prayer. But we as believers ought to be continually cultivated in prayer so that any moment God can move through us into the life of another individual. Are you there? Stan's there. I heard him. For by grace, given to me, I say to everyone among you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Listen, young people, I'm gonna, I just want to talk about that for a minute. When the Holy Spirit begins to move in your life, the further you go, the further you go in God, this is, this is the, the prayer that I pray, pray quite regularly. Lord, the more you do in me, the lower I'm going to go. I will lay on my face on the floor. I will humble myself before you. The, the, the greater you move in me, the lower I will go. 
not trying, I'm not trying to move up higher. I'm not on the rung of the ladder of success. The more God does for me, the lower I need to go. Humble, humble, humble yourself. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. You preach a message or share your faith and somebody gets saved or you, or you come up here and you share a, a testimony and you feel a particular anointing, don't go home and go, I blew that one right out the park. I learned that coming home from youth camp after spending three or four days in the anointing of the Lord, great anointing, praying in the Spirit, watching people get saved and healed and delivered and, and participating with them and come home and my parents would say, my parents would say, and I, I've shared this with you before, my parents would say, how was camp? And I would tell them and I, sometimes I'd be telling them tears be running down my face. Uh, I, okay, now go put your stuff away, get your dirty laundry in the laundry room, make your bed and take out the trash. You are never above. So when God begins to move in our lives, the greater measure that gets poured out, the greater the measure that gets poured out of us, the lower you go in his presence. Humble, humble, humble. The moment you think that you got it figured out, a fall is coming, a difficulty is coming. A challenge is coming. Pride comes before a fall. God cannot do anything through a prideful spirit. And you have to remember, you didn't do it anyway. It was his anointing in you. You didn't do, you didn't do Jack Diddley. Even if you gave, some, if you gave someone, you, you got out your checkbook and you handed someone $10,000 because you knew there was a great need in their life. You didn't do Jack squat. Now, don't misunderstand me. I appreciate participation, and it's wonderful. But if you need to get your name carved on a brick to give, well, I'd buy a chair if they'd carve my name in it. Don't buy a chair. If you need to send money to a, to a ministry that's going to carve your name in the wall somewhere for posterity, Stop it! Every resource that you have came from God. Church is about to find out whether or not we're real givers. Because nonprofit is about to go away in this nation. I'll just prophesy to you for a minute. It's going away, and we're going to find out who ties because they have a tax deduction, and who ties because it's the right thing to do. Let's get used to it. I have a friend who planted a church, and I said, how long did it take you to get your nonprofit? He said, I didn't get my nonprofit. It says right on our tithing, your gifts are not tax deductible. Wonderful church. He said, I can get in my pulpit, and the government can't tell me what to say. I said, well, I can mine too, because I could care less about that tax deduction. <laughs> they take it away, I'll preach. I don't care. That's not why we give. So never think of ourselves as though we have something to offer. The only thing we have to offer is the deposit of God that is in us. He put it there. So we never think more highly of ourselves than we should. We think with sober judgment 
according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And the reason he said that is so that you can be free not to feel like you have to do it my way. Most people feel so intimidated because they feel like they have to do just as well as the guy they're watching or the guy who's leading. No, you have to do it as well as you can do it at the level of faith that you have. So to the measure of faith that God has assigned you, we are one body, many members. We do not all have the same function. Thank God we don't have all the same function. So I think we need to stop right there. I think we need to say to the Lord, the things that you have deposited in me, I make them available back to you. I'm going to stop being a closed door. I'm going to stop being intimidated by the opportunities that are around me. I'm going to stop biting my lip when it's time to speak, and I'm going to stop speaking when it's time to bite my lip. That's just the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to let you move through me, and I'm not going to wait till every little thing in me is perfected to do that. Because we'll bury you first if you do that. And this generation will miss what God has put in you. I've said this before, and I'm going to say again, there are neighbors around you, there are people in your workplace, there are people in your sphere of influence, they are there because God put them there, and He tuned their ear to your voice, they will not listen to me. We can go knock on their door, and they will just say, you're interrupting me. But they'll listen to your voice, because the Holy Spirit has tuned their ear to your voice just so you can tell them Jesus loves you. Let me pray for you about that challenge you're facing. I'm telling you, y'all stand and you listen to your neighbors complain about their kids and you miss the opportunity to say, let me pray with you about your son. Let me pray with you about your daughter. Let's ask Jesus what he would do in this situation.